0: Welcome to Episode 2 of Season 5 of the Gundam Book Club Podcast. This episode will be a one-off. I'll feature another manga made by Mangaka Kondo-san, named The Side Operation of the Xeon. It was released in 1988 and features that essentially invulnerable Xeon Ace Frederick Braun in or around Universe Century 092. Episode 2, the side operation of the Xeon. Altitude, 3,200 meters. Speed, 600 kilometers per hour. The Xeon officer got on the comms. At this point, we have entered enemy's airspace. He continued, we are on schedule. No response from enemy interceptors. Four Xeon heavy air transports continued their approach. A camouflage Xeon transport was in tow by another heavy transport. As we zoom in, several Neo Xeon mobile suits were docked in the hangar. The lead mobile suit appeared to be a modified version of the Garadoga, but was in fact a new unit named the Jaguar. A Neo Xeon officer was wearing his tactical helmet. There was an audible alert and a comms officer appeared on his display. The reflection of the officer's face can be seen on his visor. Captain Braun, get ready for your mission 30 minutes. He then ordered all units to get ready for launch. Surrounded the Jaguars, a grand new Sazavi, similar to the one seen in the revival of Xeon, two standard Garadogas and a Dowage. Their pilots all responded, yes, sir, and okay. At the same time, Federation troops were looking at a display of their own. One officer said, I detect Xeon Mobile com chat from direction 5181 and heading north. Four units spotted and confirmed and are huge. Xeon transports detected. Prepare to fire. The troops were in a gigantic Federation mobile armor. One of the operators announced target locked on. Fire. But suddenly the four transports came into fire. One of the four Xeon transports was hit and heavily damaged while a second transport was destroyed. In Braun's transport, a flash of light could be seen. Braun and Jaguar, which is loomed by the fireball, can see the transport, said, what the hell is that? A comm officer informed him that the third transport had been taken out. Was it an anti-aircraft gun, a beam cannon? Number one transport was also taken out. The first transport was towing the craft that was carrying Braun's team. Crew in the transport behind Bronze transport realized that they would collide. The two to two transports flew into each other. The flight crew were violently smashed and killed. Braun's team survived, but the burning plane was hurling to the ground. Bridge, open the front hatch so we can escape the fire. He realized they were gone and had to act quickly. Shit, Mash, give me a hand and open the hatch. Braun said, and. Mash opened the hatch. All units, escape the ship immediately. Braun's squad of mobile suits escaped out of the front hatch and jumped. We don't have time. We must go, Braun said. Roger was the response. The remaining units were able to escape, except for Mash. His unit was pinned against a falling transport trapped against the massive wing. Mash cried out to Braun. He could do nothing to help him as the plummeting transport and crashed the earth. Meanwhile, a Federation officer looked at the display and noted that a few mobile suits had apparently dropped to the ground. His commander said, Excellent. This will make for good practice to mop up these remnant mobile suits. Move out! The massive Federation mobile armor took off. The head resembled a Gundam, complete with a V-fin. The commander opened, ordered rather, to open the mobile suit for hatch speed or launch the Interceptor squad. The massive mobile armor transport was airborne, and then suddenly, several Jim 3s were seen. Braun's mobile suit was on the ground. Flames were surrounding his unit. The bastards who did this to us should be around here somewhere. Now where are you? Meanwhile, he was unaware that his suit was under visual lock by enemy mobile suits. The gyms came out from under the cover of trees and fired on Braun. He returned fire and was able to at least disable at least one of the Jims. Beyond the horizon, Braun could see explosions. On the comms, a fellow Neo Zeon officer called out to Braun. Clay Duncan was engaged with several gems. He was in a douage and stood next to another ally who was destroyed. He was able to keep the three gems at bay and even able to destroy one of them. The gems suddenly were destroyed one by one. Duncan saw Braun and had saved him and thanked him. Braun was flanked by another Older Xeon relic, including Azako. All units, stay alert. Don't let your guard down, Braun ordered his remaining troops. It was at that moment that the massive mobile armor transport came into view. It hovered over and behind Duncan. Duncan's unit was struck with a perfectly based, placed beam attack in his back along with a Gyaradosa. Braun and his Jaguar remaining Neo Xeon forces engaged with this mammoth mobile armor in an intense firefight. Brawn orders wingman Cray to split up. As Cray and Brawn, who appear to be the only remaining units, continue to exchange fire, Cray was in a bred mobile suit, which essentially was a scaled down, land based version of VO. He continued to fire on the massive mobile armor. He cried out to warn Brawn, but it was too late. His unit was traced by a massive energy beam from the Gundam mobile armor. Brawn's Jaguar's right arm disintegrated from the energy blast. The massive mobile armor descended lower with a menacing countenance. Braun was amazed at the firepower of the Federation's mobile armor. Dan's Federation mobile armor. The firepower is amazing. We can't do this, Captain. Let's retreat to the front line of our, of our ally. No, see how big it is? If we come very close to his thruster and shoot it, then he, there is nothing it can do in response. I'll be the decoy. You get close to it and stop it. Let's go, Braun ordered. The mobile armor was fired upon by Braun and Cray. The mobile armor turned fire. It resumed flight and continued to press on with its attack. Braun in his damaged mobile suit continued to fire on the mobile armor. Come on, keep following me. Cray, I'm counting on you to get it done. Cray jumped into the air with his red mobile suit and landed on the mobile armor's back. He fired with his rifle at point blank range, causing some damage. The Federation officer was stunned by this brazen attack. Another officer ordered to launch a missile at Cray. The missile did miss. It hit Cray in the midsection of the mobile suit. There was no way for him to dodge. His mobile suit exploded and illuminated the night sky. All Bron could do was watch and cry out for his wingman who died before his very eyes. Cray! Cray's attack, however, was not in vain. The Federation pilot said, the main nozzle has been damaged, hovering is no longer possible. Ron said, Eat this! The mobile armor came under fire again from Ron. It sustained several critical hits. Suddenly, the massive Federation mobile armor exploded. Epilogue The strategy of the Xeon special forces to bring disturbance to the Federation by a rear offensive failed and caused great sacrifices. The fight in the enemy's territory between the Federation's new type mobile armor and Captain Frederick F. Brown, however, is not reported by the Federation since the mobile armor was classified. So, it's been a minute since I did an episode. This story contains the legacy of Frederick Braun, who seems to like to go back to Earth several times since the revival of Xeon manga. Kondo, as featured in all old interview, tends to focus on the Xeon side, and this short story is no exception. I'm very much a sucker of his art style. Between the gritty nature of the stories and artwork, and the fact that he covers adult uh, soldiers who are often grunts or old types is refreshing for a Universal Century story. Whether this is canonical or not, I'll leave it up for you to decide. I will add that I have not seen a Federation mobile armor, that also serves as a transport for mobile suits before or since. I do enjoy this side story, Is, however this my favorite side story of Condos, now uh, some of the issues I've had with the story are the following. The rear action the epilogue mentioned was very vague. What was the objective? How would they have succeeded? It was not all mentioned. Also, does this take place before or after the rival of Xeon? It's not cleared. It features a doomed Zazemi, so it takes place after the events of Gundam Double Zeta and likely before Shard's counterattack. Also, it does not depict where this takes place on Earth. The Dogs of War, the rival of Xeon, and the Operation Titan manga let you know where the action was taking place. That bit of context or information would have been nice. In terms of the mobile suits or mobile armor featured, there were three new designs. The Jaguar, which I found once I described, as similar performance to the Zazubi, but expensive to manufacture and therefore very few were made. I assume it was made by Anaheim Electronics, but it's not clear. The Bretta also was shown, and is related to the O2 as shown in the uh, Revival of Xeon. Lastly, the Mammoth uh, Federation Mobile Armor Transport uh, did have a Gundam head complete with a V-fin. It was not named in the manga, however, it is known as the G-Ray. For complement of weapons, it has 60mm Vulcan cannon, nose beam cannons, shoulder guns, and missile launchers, and various anti-air weapons, and a mobile suit carrier pod. However, it is safe to say it does have the Mosque craft system, as featured in the Penelope Seen in Gundam Suit gun- Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway, which was able to fly despite its massive size and mass. As always, I will include links in the show notes. Please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gun The Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gun The Sentinel Podcast. I'm now on TikTok at Gun and Book Club Podcast. YouTube or on Facebook at facebook.com slash group Gun The Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your gun I'm loving to talk with friends to check it out. Until next time.